talk us through those 80 minutes. No, we prepared to win. We knew that we were here to make history. The whole week, that's what we told ourselves. And you know what? I'm so proud of the boys. Absolutely humbled. And the guys came out. They played with enormous testicles. And we absolutely did it. Fantastic effort. I'm such a happy captain. Hello and welcome to the Drop Kickoff podcast. I'm here today, back in the hot seat, uh, but there's only two of us today, no Jack. So say hello to everyone. Uh, and Nathan, hello. calling us yep. from Brisbane today. Yes, all settled in, ready to go for a second test, which is hopefully going to be an absolute ripper. Yes, and, and I've heard you're uh, uh, doing an investigative piece as to why no Queenslanders got picked in the first game. <laughs> as, as much as Reg probably wants me to do it. Yeah. I think, I think that they've, they've reacted and that's why we've got a couple more in there. So hopefully, hopefully that keeps the Queenslanders at bay. Yeah, yeah. Shadowy Cabal have, have, have stumped up some cash. Um, and, and I'm also here with uh, Nicholas Vasiliev, who's calling me from his uh, palace. My palace. That's the yeah. one. Like, uh, while Nato's been jet-setting across the country following the boys around uh, with rugby.com.au, I've been just moving from one side of my living room to the other, yes. working from home. Got the glass of wine again. I'm drinking yes. a, uh, I'm drinking a Whispering Brook, which is uh, Semignon, which is from the Hunter Valley. So I'm going white oh, this yeah. time. Semignon's a place where Hunter Valley is the place to get Semignon's from. It's the place. So, you know that? Uh, yeah, I did. It's a yeah, yeah. it's a beautiful part of the world, um, and uh, it's a very nice winery to to all of our listeners who haven't ever gone to Whispering Brook. Highly recommended uh, in my uh, in my books. But here here to talk some rugby and mm. uh, to get sufficiently lubricated. I've got a uh, I've got a Malbec uh, from Langhong Creek, uh, Bleasdale. Beautiful. Yes. So, sorry, Nathan. We, we we should have sh- said sent the memo out that you know as of last week we've started to drink nice wine yeah. when we record. <laughs> yeah, I've got I've got a nice you know nice bottled tap water here. So you know, just, yeah. <laughs> what's the worst that can happen? Drinking under um, I think Green and Gold never made that mistake. Get this Snoop yeah. Dogg wine. Yeah. Ooh, um, nineteen crimes. Yeah, I try it out. Um, anyway, anyway, focus. Pod time. We've got to talk about England and Australia first. Now, uh, you've probably heard everything that you've got to hear about this, other pods, whatever. But look, we'll just be real quick on this one. I guess one question, I, I mean, uh, one question to you guys, um, and I, I, can, I can answer first, is like one thing that you've been thinking about all week. Um, I was, I went to a pub. And I was a bit deep in when I watched this game, so I can't remember a lot of it. But I think it's just that we won and we, like, didn't panic and we stuck to our guns. Uh, and I, that Pete Samu try at the end where he, he made 10 metres out of, you know, one metre, when he had one metre of space, was just kind of amazing. Um, and I can't stop thinking about it. Uh, uh, Nick, you, you go first. Like, what have you been thinking about this game all week? Just the composure. It was, I mean, obviously, of course, the the scoreline, you know, was it, it in the end, it, it was a bit flattering to the English, considering uh, they, I mean, they were able to grab those last two tries, um, and when the game was was already over. And full credit to them, I should add, by the way, they they didn't they they played a full eighty minute game, um, 
and I, I you know at the time I was a bit like come on guys like stop don't let them score don't let them finish the game like that and then Mr Cavill Hugh Cavill uh, duly whipped me for for being such a such a, a negative a Nancy negative boy uh you know, and the fact that we actually had beaten England for the first time in like seven years. Um, but just the composure of it. And particularly, I think I was really impressed with Noel Alessio. Let's just talk about the fact that, you know, he is like our, just seeing the growth of him as a player from the France series last year, um, you know, starting against, I mean, he, he, baptism by fire for the against the All Blacks, which was always tough. Then going in and actually starting to win games in the French series last year. Um, and now, you know, coming up against, you know, this is a good England team. This is a really solid England team. Let's not, you know, beat around the bush. When you've got players like, you know, Maro Toji, Courtney Laws and, and you know, the, and the like all in there. Marcus Smith, who is, you know, he's had so many games and he looks absolutely incredible, like an absolute gun at 10, um, complete with the Quade Cooper tribute step. Um, you know, this is an excellent squad. This is a really good squad. So to put a performance together like that, but and just, but just show such composure, um, really exciting, really promising, and just a good indication of, you know, that this 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 Wallabies team is really moving. It's really starting to go places. And hopefully, you know, we start to see the wins, uh, the wins off it, off the back of that. Nathan. The, the fact, I was just, just adding on Nick's point, the fact the way Noah did it as well, the fact that you were, he was called in five minutes before the game started and said, hey, you're in. Like, that's, that's incredible. That's for a young half to be, to be, to lift that occasion. But for me, it was, it's this constant fact that we go down to 14 men and play so much better. Yeah, feel, <laughs> as like, well. It's, it's so bizarre that like, but not bizarre, but I think it's, it more talks to the, how good the character is around and resolve, you know, mental toughness of this squad is we go down to 14 people and we almost get confidence because we're like, all right, we've been here before and we know how to win these games. Like, you know, we had no right. We had, when you consider everything that happens, you, you look at that first 30 minutes. We probably had no right to win that game. When you can, if you if you were to tell any supporter before the game, hey, you're going to lose your fly half, your fullback, your lone um, specialist tighthead, and your lineout caller, all inside 25 minutes. <laughs> you, you'd be thinking you, you, you're going to get beat by 30, but the fact this team not only composed, as you know, as you said, composed itself, but managed to lift a couple of gears and all of a sudden shut out England. It was incredible. And it was generally one of the best performances we've seen now, in my opinion, even though less, even though all of the adversity and, you know, maybe a bit of a slow start as well, like when I went, went against us, like it was just incredible. Yeah. I think uh, one for the ages, it was called not long after it happened, but yeah, for sure. Um, any other thoughts about this game? Um, I thought England were pretty crap. Um, too, like, toothless. Uh, no, no, no. So, I, oh, I, th- I thought their attack was, was was very simple. Like it was, it was a lot of kind of relying on that sort of second playmaker, sort of stepping up and doing everything. But by the time he, by the time they'd made the read or were looking for space, an offensive line was already up in their face, and they just they had nothing. I thought England were quite like they started the game really well. I was really impressed with their physicality. 
um, mm. which which uh, at the start of the match for the first probably 30 minutes or so, I was thinking, you know, when England, you know, were ahead by six to zip, I was like, that's a, that's a good indication because I figured that, you know, I didn't really think that the Wallabies were matching physically, especially at the ruck. And it was clear that there was a strategy. Um, you know, of course, we'll, there's, the, the big discussion has been the whole situation around Swain and, and Johnny Hill. Um, and all the, the stuff that happened there and, you know, who should have been carded and who should have done what. Like, we, we, of course, that's, you know, a debate around the rules and such. But, you know, Swain deserved the red. He did. You can't headbutt someone and get away with it. Even if uh, even if there is the question around, you know, whether he'll provoked him and whether he deserves the same punishment as a result. Um, but what... What impressed me in that, and this is the point that, and going off, you know, your point of lifting uh, and uh, being lifting and, and actually, you know, that li- lifting that when the, when the Wallabies just lifted, you could uh, around that thirty-minute mark, there was a passage of play, which led to us getting our first points on the board, and that you could there was just suddenly a sense as the, as the you know, in just a really old school way, as the as the actual you know the. Um, the t- you know, ruck after ruck happened. You had phase after phase, and the phases were growing. I think we got to like ten or eleven phases. Suddenly, you felt like, okay, they're waking up now. They're waking up now. You can, you, you're just getting a sense. Okay, the boys are switching on now. It was, you know, obviously they probably would have been kicking themselves for the fact that it was thirty something minutes in. But from that point, there was just it was clear that the Wallabies just looked to step up. Um, credit to England for finishing well, and I think that their number twenty three. Um, Really, played. like really, credit to them. I Arundel, yeah, he's a gun. I thought Australia just won it and they clocked off. Yeah, well, yeah, well I mean, there's, there's two arguments. That's the two sort of two sides you can take there. Like, how much do you put into uh, two tries at an end when you're 32, 14 up? You know, and people forget that second try. Lesio got yellow carded as well. Like, we were down to 13 players. So, how much can you realistically put into that that last yeah. try? And I think they, you know, they're spent. They've played most of the game with fourteen. They're probably physically and emotionally spent. So that's why I, I mean, that was just my feeling at the time. But I just, just one, one stat I want to drop on just to, just to back up what you're saying, there, Nick. I think it was Dave said in the press conference today it was around that collision and the tackle dominance. He said in the first half, I was quoted from Jamie Pandera. I believe Rennie mentioned in the press conference as well. Um, that the first half, the tackle dominance was about four percent. Second half, twenty-two percent. Mm. Like that's such a difference in just physicality and getting stopping them from getting the ball over the advantage line. What and what does dominance show, mean? Basically, I, I my understanding to put it in layman's term, basically, if are you putting them on on their ass? Like, are you stopping them from getting meters? You know, if if, if you make the contact, are they going? Are they still making two meters as they're sort of? You know, try and squirm ahead, or are you just are you forcing them back in the tackle? That's mm. basically my understanding of it. Interesting, uh, interesting. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Look, you know, great win. Can't wait to this weekend, which conveniently moves us on to the <laughs> fact that, and this is why we're above other podcasts that we're recording after the team for the weekend's been announced. Um, Nathan, you wrote the story for this one. Um, yes, I did. A uh, <laughs> couple of changes. Tongan Thor is in. Uh, Hunter Paisami is in for Len Ikitao. Uh, Tom Wright is in. Jordan Pattaya is in. Nick Frost in. Isaiah Parisi in. Queenslanders still low. What do you reckon? 
What's going on? <laughs> I love that that's what you focus on. <laughs> I wouldn't think three in a starting team's not low. Like, that's, that's fine. Queenslanders, I mean. Jeez, <laughs> um, you're just you're trying to start fights. I mean, last month it was the Kiwis. This month it's the, it's the Queenslanders. He's a shitster. This is his MO. This is how... No, we... no, 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 Get no. the mail back, and get the mail back out of his hands. He's had... It's a different kind of red. Uh, but it's... But yes, it, the team. Talk about the team. It's an interesting team. I, I, I quite like it, actually. I think it's... Given, given the circumstances, when you consider Kellaway was is out with a hamstring injury, uh, Ikatao's got his calf tightness. Uh, yeah, Alatau is still with concussion and Banks with his hand and also Quake. Sorry, with his arm and Quake Cooper with a calf. Like that's that's five starting players out, and it's still probably one of the stronger. It feels like one of the stronger and more powerful sides we put out in a in a long time. Like. To the fact we're starting with a front row of Tupo and Bell and, and Parecki is really exciting. And by the way, if anyone wants to read a great chat with Chad and Tupo, just look up any of the articles that just that, that have just gone out. Rugby coming year, on Rugby coming year, cheap, cheap plug. Just how he talks <laughs> about how he feels he feels so much better now that he's had like a rest, and that that injury was the best thing that happened to him because he just had so much time off, and now he feels. You know, he's gone from a stage of not feel, going into games, feel like he doesn't want to play, to now really excited to rip in. And, you know, that's a dangerous sight. You couple that with adding the explosiveness of Paisami out, outside Karevi. Uh, you know, Tom Wright, who's an excellent finisher and probably someone who is probably, in my opinion, is harshly traded by fans for a couple of bad Wolves performances. You then, you know, Jordi Bataille is... A player that just seems to just be all of a sudden clicking. We clicked last week, but this, the big question is how's he got fullback? And it's exciting to see what he can do. You then couple that with Parisi on the bench and Nick Frost, two real X Factor players. And then all of a sudden, like this looks like a team that can. It's going to looks like it's going to try and blow England off the park from you know one to eighty, and it's really exciting to see, in my opinion. Yes, I. I... I, I agree with you. Um, I I feel like we've kind of gone away from the checker era of bizarre picks. Um, if we go back to all that kind of controversy that the not many Reds are in the team, um, it didn't feel like people were getting picked when they shouldn't have been picked, which kind of happened in the checker uh, time like you know Bernard Foley would always be picked, Nick Phipps always be picked, and not saying they're like they're bad players, but it was kind of like you know look they're out of form or they didn't play too well, and they just didn't seem to be that kind of uh, competition for spots. You know if you play poorly, you will be dropped. But I look at this and it's a really strong team. I mean, um, Lenikatau has a calf issue, right? That's why Pasami's come in, but yeah. but no one's still... been dropped for form out of this one. No. Um, and and even just just to add to that, apparently, or Reading was saying today, and it's it's really it really shows the depth we have. You know, Hunter Paisami's been you know one of the best trainers apparently that's been that's been coming out. He's been really really pushing both um, both um, Karevi and Ikatau for, for spots. So like you lose someone injury, you bring someone in who's training just as well. Like it's it just shows the depth. Yeah, I, I'm super excited um, to see Paisami in um, and Parisi as well. Um, 
Uh, Nick, how do you feel about the squad? Um, is there anything that like, stands out to you? Is there any player that you wish was picked instead? Well, we've been talking about this on, on, on Nathan's point. We've been talking about this for the last, you know, six or seven podcasts. Like, we've been talking about every single posi- uh, pos- uh, you know, position over the last, you know, couple of weeks, a couple of, you know, episodes that we've been doing. And you're absolutely right. It's a, this, this depth has surprised me. But at the same time, it really kind of shouldn't, because you know we've been we've been talking about you know the growing depth of the Wallabies for the last few years. This is a the fact that we're in this position where we actually can start to say, hey, if we lose a world class player, um, you know, to injury or, or what have you, and we have a good a, a decent option that like just as good an option that can come in and 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 reinforce that, uh, you know, that position, and that, and you will still get a decent performance. Uh, then you're doing okay. You're doing all right. Now, it's just obviously it's a matter of, you know, trying to build that depth and, and continue to, to see it grow. But in terms of the, the of you know the question around what really stands out to me in this squad, um, I'm, I'm really glad to see Neville retain his spot. Um, I think he was just a gun on the weekend. Oh, I would say he was a god. He was a god. He was a he god amongst mere mortals. So well. He was a god amongst mere mortals, Mr. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Mr. Neville. Yeah. Um, you know, and unex- un- un- unsurprising there, considering the uh, you know what they put in the water down in in Canberra. Um, but uh, also, I'll also shout out to Parecki. Um, you know, I, I was just thinking to myself, you know, seeing how well the lineout was functioning on the weekend. Um, you know, Hooker's been the position that we've always had a lot of question marks about. Um, obviously, it's only one test, of course. You know, he. We let's ask this question when he's had when he's got ten caps under his belt or twenty caps under his belt, but it just felt so solid that for the first time in a little while that hooker position just felt was really amazing to see the work he did. But then also not not just that, see how well um, Falau Fainga was coming off the bench. Yeah, um, yeah. So Nick, can I can I just stop you there? I just want to ask some quick fire questions to both of you. I think maybe we'll alternate here, but we can start here. Um, are you, as a Brumbies fan, um, do you think, are you happy with Dave Brecky as starting or do you want Flower Fianga and, and how do you feel about that going forward? I mean, you go based on form. This is the truth of it. We're, we're picking based on form. And if you were to ask me the question, who is the, who is the in-form player? Only on the play, like I'm, I'm looking at him as the man in gold and not as him in the man in sky blue. Because you won't get a compliment for, for, uh, to the Tars from me, uh, but Parecki mm-hmm. is the in-form hooker in Australia right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, do, does anyone disagree? Does anyone disagree with that? No, they've been, I've been peeking in the Wallaby squad since about April, so I can't really. I'm not, <laughs> not going to turn against him now uh, after that performance. Yeah, uh, and, th- and that's no sh- that's no slouch on Falau Fainga. Um, that's no slouch on you know on his skills and abilities. But he really showed himself. You know, we we know that he he can he can you know put in a decent performance for the majority of a game as a starting yeah. hooker. But Parecki just was on another level on Saturday. Yeah, and yeah. not only that, Fainga just showed himself to be just an excellent finisher as well. Mm, yeah. So quick fire, right? So next one to you, Natho. Uh, Quaid's out. A lot of people are saying we've got to bring back a lock. Um, Caden Neville and Matt Phillip are starting this with uh, Nick Frost and perhaps Pete Samu and Rob Liotta, who's a blindside, being able to fill in at lock. But how do you feel about the lock pairing? you want it to continue? Or I, do you I'd think lock. we should bring back an Arnold or a Skelton? I like, I like the lock pairing. I, I, I think yes to both. I, I like the lock pairing, but I still think we can bring one of them back. When you consider 
you know, Quade's Quade's out, so technically you have you have that slot available, and Karevi's just been named in the seven squad for Com Games, so potentially that means he, like given there's a week between the Com Games and the first Argentina test, you could realistically see him get rested after that. So all of a sudden, like the spot's there, and when you consider if we have that luxury of being able to take three internationals, like and we have injuries, you know, Holloway's still injured. Swain's probably just coming back from suspension then. Like, why why wouldn't we try and bring a Rory Arnold in and just kind of just just for added experience and added competition? So I like I'm happy with the pairing we have, but I think it could be it still can be better with Arnold coming back. Great, amazing, love it. Nick, let's move just down to Rob Leota. Uh beast of a man. Um, do you think he should stay as blindside flanker or should Harry Wilson come in? The boy performed. The boy did well. Um, this is the right sort of problem to have. Again, we're talking about it. this is the right sort of problem to have. When you're having to, when you you're struggling to fill, put Harry Wilson in your squad, you have a good situation here. I was really surprised by Leota. He lift, he rose to the occasion. I, I mean, I think you know, in an underperforming Rebels side this year, um, you know, there was a lot of a lot of folks said, well, look, he wasn't he wasn't necessarily coming into the best form that you know. Uh, that you could potentially have, uh, you know, going into this side, but you know, he, he showed himself to have the real potential to be to really step up for Wallaby Test matches in uh, over the weekend. Um, I think right now it would make sense to keep him there because while uh, the only reason why I can see you know Leota being dropped is either he gets injured, touch wood, we don't want that to happen, or there's you know the the fact is that Wilson, uh, you know, outcompetes him. In terms of you know, in terms of you know his ability to to deliver and, and on form, um, and right now, even though I think Wilson, you know, let's not let's not beat about the bush. Wilson should Wilson would be would be going into this squad, considering the fact that Valentini has a stranglehold on the number eight position, Hooper has a stranglehold on the number seven position. Um, someone has to miss out <laughs> in this situation, and you know, with Leota playing the way that he is, it, I think you know it's. I, I say you, you can't you can't punish him for not being for not being you know for not being being able to deliver in form. So my my thoughts are keep him in for the moment. And in the event that something happens, you've got just a good you've got just a good player waiting in the wings and ready to go. Yes, hundred uh, percent. Wait, quick point on this. I generally reckon Rob Leota is the most disrespected player in Australian rugby. People, <laughs> people, like seriously, people, like everyone calls him to be dropped. He's not Harry Wilson. Like. It, can play five, can play six, can play eight. Realistically, you know, it's we want, you know, Valentin and Wilson in the same team would be, you know, awesome. But like, you, who's that third lineup option? You yeah. know, you lose, you lose a, a different dynamic by not having a six there. So like, you know, Samu Samu covers six, seven, eight off the bench. You know, Leota's a, a proper six. You know, Harry Wilson's twenty-two. Like he's st- he's still got so much time left in his career. You know. It, it, it'll get to a stage with both him and Valentini probably swapping. So, you know, it's it's the right move. Just Folks, stop hating. Stop yeah. hating. Uh, I have to agree with panicking. what you were saying, Nick. Give me a Well, let's see. Stop panicking. That we, you know, we have, you know, oh, Harry Wilson should get a shot. Fraser McGrath should get a shot. You know, they might go overseas. Like, they're 21, 22. 22. Like, they're still, they're still developing and learning how, you know, the rigors of, of super rugby and international rugby, like just let them develop. We'll, we'll go from there. When we, you know, we've got the depth, so we don't have to worry about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
Uh, great input there, Nathan. The next one goes to you. Uh, Noel Lucio, here's my question to you. Is he a better fly half than James O'Connor? And where does James O'Connor sit in terms of Ooh. being Australia's fly half? At the current point or like overall? Well, like, however you want to answer it. Current form? Yes. Yes, he is. Like, he's just, he just seems such a calm presence. He's gone through so much at such a young career, but he really seems to be coming out to the right point. You know, really impressed with how he stepped up. Um, O'Connor's still a little underdone with injury, but I still think he has plenty. He can play a great role as a finisher and also someone who can cover a plethora of back, back line positions. You know, even, I think he's even been touted as a 15 option. So, like, I think, well, let's go, if we could quite out, has to be your number one guy, but there's still definitely places for, for Connor as that just that experienced head that can close out a game. Mm, yeah, great point. Yeah, that's a great way to see it. Um, Nick, next one's to you. Uh, outside centre, um, Hunter Paisami um, has come in. Do you think he should start and settle in at Ikitao? Because I really like Paisami. I think he's got a lot. Oh, that's a good question. Baisami is is great. He is great. He's he, I think he's the, the 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 key reason why the Reds were were in so many games, even when they were you know coming through that really poor set bit of form in the latter half of the of the of, the, of Super Rugby Pacific. Um, it's I think purely it's a combination thing. Like from what we've seen so far, Ikitao just has a better combination with Karevi. Um, in terms of the, in the centre position. Um, that's not to say that, you know, let's say this weekend Paisami, uh, you know, suddenly combines with Karevi extremely well. Um, I'll be changing my tune, um, you know, and, and say, look, hey, it's, it's again, the competition for positions is strong. Um, in general, if, uh, if Ikitao wasn't injured, I would still be, per, uh, p- still be picking Ikitao over Paisami, but purely on, you know, not for... Any reason of, of of athletic ability or talent, but purely because it just from what we have seen from the games that they've played together, you know, against South Africa, against Argentina, um, and against Japan, and now here against England, uh, just the combinations, the combination between him and Karevi, it just gives that backline so much more teeth. Um, and I think just purely on that, but at the moment, not to say that I, you know, I still think Paisami's got it in him to to definitely, you know, combine well. Uh, just based on what what I'm seeing in front of me right now. Yeah, right, right. Um, I don't know. I, I really like Pasami. Um, so do I. It's not it's not a slouch yeah. on it's not a slouch on on Pisami. Again, it's the right problem to have, which yeah, is a yeah, lot no, better than a lot better than absolutely. a few years ago. But this is what this, this squad's so good, and you can ask so many questions. So the next one is the, the winger coming in, Nathan uh, Tom Wright. So Marika is there until he like. Uh, it dies of old age, I guess. He's going to hold that 11 jersey. Uh, but Tom Wright, uh, he's come in. Would you? Were you happy with this? Would you have Vunavali? Vunavali's not even on the bench. Nathan. Oh, no. I think Tom, Tom Wright's the way to go. Like, he's was a gun finisher for the Brumbies this year. And so we're picking the team on form. He's, you know, Vunavali was really good for the Reds, but I think Tom Wright was better for a longer period for the Brumbies. So I think it was just the... It's a pretty pretty straightforward move in my in my opinion. This one he's picking to win, I reckon. So I think if it was Test three and Australia has wrapped up the series, um, you know, then I reckon he'd be more likely to to throw caution to the wind and throw a debut cap to to Vinabalu. Clearly, you know, even though of course Tom Wright is still very young, 
mm-hmm. um, and, and still growing in his career. He has already shown the cap- um, you know capability at Wallaby level, um, and I think considering you know the the weapon that you lose in Kellaway, um, I think yeah, he's definitely he, he seems like he's the most experienced option um, out there. Okay, we need a quick question to you. Um, John Pataira's fullback, third choice fullback, it looks like, and I think even James O'Connell would be a better choice there just for a second pair of hands. How do you feel? I, I like Pataira, but, man, he's just, he's got that, that youthful inconsistency. How do you feel about him? I think this is a great decision. I think this is a great decision um, to have him here. I think, like, when, when Pataira was put into... The you know he was made fullback for the Reds. You know everyone was very curious to see how he would go and how he would perform. I think you know he hasn't really had the chance to show his stuff in a wall in in Wallaby Gold yet. You know I think in cent in the centre position he hasn't he only has played a couple of Test matches there. Every other game he's played on the wing and you know basically you just if you're on the wing you're giving the you, in most instances you're just being given the ball and told to run fast. So <laughs> it's it's. In terms of actual uh, ability, be, getting involved in the game a bit more, I mean, he had to slot into that position for the majority of the match last week. And he looked really good. I actually, like, he got a try for his efforts. He looked, um, like, the the issues with his form that he had last year looked to have subsided in this first test match, which was really positive. I, um, do you think it's, just sorry on that, do you think, because I watched him for the Reds a bit, and it looked like he was a bit of a focal point for attack. But I think him playing on the wing for the Wallabies, he was not that big fish in a small pond. And I think he really played well off that. Well, like, you know, you haven't got a situation where, like, you know, in the past with with another certain 15 uh, of days old who, you know, who shall remain nameless, uh, but he, but quote-unquote he, he's playing for Tonga at the moment. You know, in the past with so many of those guys, you, it would just be give the ball to this guy and we'll uh, and, and see what he can do. Pattaya is surrounded by just so many strong players, um, so he has to be able so to be able to actually perform and, and get that that role in the back three. Uh, you know, if you said if you said to him, "Oi, you, you've got the chance to make some serious ground. Are you going to take it up, or are you going to throw it out to Marika, who is just going to bulldoze uh, <laughs> bulldoze poor Jack Noel uh, on the other side, or, or poor Tommy Freeman?" I'm giving it to Marika. If I'm in if, if I'm in his position because of how of the game line that Marie can achieve and and how difficult he is to tackle, I think it's a great decision to have to have Geordie out here, um, at at 15. Um, I think I, I'm curious to see how he goes. I think Banks. I, I would say Banks has been strong, but he wouldn't. He hasn't necessarily uh, nailed down the fullback position. But I would definitely be picking Geordie over over Reese Hodge, um, for the 15 position. For me, he's the he's the one that we go with. Yeah, absolutely. Also, just, sorry, just the point on Bataya, something which I think is so flown under the radar is how much of a better kicker he is from mm, the from yeah. from the England game. So um, new part, sorry, new partnership that I think you, you would have seen the stats come up on the broadcast. But they've got a, a partnership with Sportable, which basically you know records longest kicks, longest passes, that sort of stuff. Bataya was first and and first and third for longest kicks out of the whole game with. I think for, longest was forty nine point five, and then a forty seven point four. You know, that if that that just shows how far he's coming as a fullback and as a, just a complete player. Uh, Nathan, you'd have the inside goss on this. Would you say he's a better uh, compared to Banks? Is he better under the high ball? Um, oh, jeez, I'm not quite sure to be honest. Um, I 
probably just just by his size and just his frame. I, I'm guessing he's probably yeah probably better high ball specialist than Banks. I, I think he's yeah you know Reds Reds like to kick to him. I, I distinctly remember the ball he kicked, he caught over Banks last year's Super Rugby AU game at Suncorp. So I'm, I'm guessing he's a better option. <laughs> well, I just think he is. He's 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 athletic enough. Just just going off that one play, I'm just saying Banks is that is a better high ball. Well, Marika's not that good under the high ball, although he did win a high ball, I think, off a kickoff uh, later in the game or a kick. Um, it's not that but, bad. <laughs> but they did target him. Every kick from England almost I, I, went to Corabetti. But I, I think that's because they know he's he's not going to kick the ball back. So they can just – they can. I, I think it's uh, – uh, Brendan Shields, Rubby Colony, broke, broke it down brilliantly with, with the raw. It's the fact that they know that he's just going to take it into contact and they can try and – Get a result and they, or get a turnover, you know, keep Australia in their half. That, that's why they keep kicking it to him instead of kicking it to a Geordie or a Tom Wright who's more likely to go, right, let's just hoof this ball and get, get you know, get played back on the 50 and we reset from there. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Anyway, uh, final question for you, Nathan, before we move on. Um, Jake Gordon, uh, reserve scrum half. There's been a voting contention. Uh, Tate McDermott should be there. How do you feel? Should Jake be there or Tate? Uh, he just, I think he, he did enough. He, I mean, he set up that Samu try with a great pass. I think he's. I, I think that there's not that much different um, difference between um, McDermott and Gordon. It's just it's just another sort of older wise ahead that's been there before and I, I think was probably in better form at the end of Super Rugby Pacific than McDermott and he showed it in Perth so you know I'm quite happy with Gordon being in the squad but that's probably the the Waratahs fan of me talking yeah I, I'm, I'm a Gordon fan and and that's just down to me absolutely being a Tars fan yeah very <laughs> I think look I, th- I think McDermott Personally, I, if you were, to, if I was picking this, you know, if I, I was in complete creative control to pick this squad, I would be picking McDermott over Gordon. But Gordon did, you know, he was a lot. He definitely was a lot faster, um, you know, in the closing out the final stages of the game. Because there's always that thing people have been a bit frustrated with with Gordon is that he always takes a little bit more time around the ruck. So in the event that you want to be, you want fast, quick ball, which is a, a strong basis off much of of Rennie's, you know, game plan, you know, to try and catch the opposition off the following phase. Um, Gordon, I, I had always worried wasn't quite fast enough compared to McDermott, who is just a machine at that sort of stuff with both sniping and passing. But, you know, he, he closed the game out well. He performed really well in, in scrum half for the time that he was on. I mean, fair enough to give him another... Like, he didn't do anything to lose his position. I'll just say that. Um, so, yeah, full credit to him being on again. I think a, an element that we just don't... You don't really see on the pitch, like, uh, uh, literally see on the pitch, is the fact that Jack Gordon's captain of the Waratahs. Um or does take that leadership role on the field. And I think that's kind of understated because this is, again, a pretty young team and the the leaders are there, but there's not a whole lot of them. But I think that's kind of an understated reason why he's there because he can marshal the troops. And even though he's like 11 tests, he hasn't played that many games with Wallabies, but yeah, he just um, has that takes, kind of... Takes captain of Reds. So I'm not, how does that work? Yeah, I'm sorry. But he's older though. <laughs> Is he? I don't know. Whatever. Who cares? But he's older, but like they're both captains. <laughs> yeah, where, 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 where you going with this? <laughs> Whatever. New South Wales. 
Uh, anyway, <laughs> let's move on. Um, forget I said that. Let's move on. Um, so Nathan. Um, oh, actually, Nathan, there's a shout out for you. I, I, I found it. Uh, I think Hugh, Hugh96 on Twitter said, uh, <laughs> let Nathan know thank you for that uh, Kazakh article. My pleasure. And we should probably touch on that as well. So the seven teams for come games were announced and geez, both teams look strong. Yeah. Like, um, well, it's good that... to get some insights of the players, Nathan. So thank you for that. There's, there's more coming. We've got a oh. bunch, bunch of interviews done. On when are you going to interview me on rugby.com dare you? Um, <laughs> what about my insights? Uh, uh, that's that's going to be my last article ever. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Nathan, Nathan Williamson sits down for an exclusive with the man who... Oh, no, it should be trophy. with um, Hog. <laughs> no, Hoggy? Um, the man who sits... Hoss. Yeah, Hoss, that's it. Hoss. Hoss. Yeah, you need to sit down with Hoss. Yeah. Just, um, so, so just, just on the sevens, quick thirty seconds. Quick thirty seconds. Yeah. Um, men's men's squad is stacked with Karevi, uh, Marky Mark, um, having and all, all the sevens regulars like Tool, Patterson, Longbottom, Dedrick Roach. So they they're going to go close to close to the gold medal. So is the women as well. It's just basically the exact same team that just cleaned up the World Series. So you know, realistically, it's. That Com Games end of July is going to be such a good spectacle to watch in between test matches, and we have two legitimate gold medal chances, so it's really exciting. Yeah, that's super exciting. Um, love it. Um, uh, Kazakhs from Queensland, and I love Queensland and Queensland players. Um, so, speaking of articles, Nathan, you you probably know a bit more about the England team. I'm not going to pretend. Um, and uh, and Nick, you probably feel the same. Not going to pretend you know the England team. Oh, a little bit, tiny but bit. Going as much as Nathan. What's changed there, and how does that change the complexion of the game? And then Nick, I'll go to you from that squad announcement. What's changed from the Aussie side? But Nathan, first, tell us what England. What's going on? A couple of changes. Uh, one for those for those Sydney Uni fans will probably recognise the name Guy Porter. Their former captain turned Leicester hero is now. Essentially, going to be going to be in his starting debut, um, coming into outside centre alongside Owen Farrell. Again, interesting move. Didn't wasn't used off the bench. Um, really seems like they're just trying to match the physicality of Karevi and Paisami. See if it works. Um, then there's a couple of other backline moves, as Nick's already mentioned his name, Tommy Friedman on the wing, um, Jack Van Jack Van put put Vliet. Uh, scrum half. I butchered, Port Fleet. Port Fleet. Sorry, I butchered the name there. He he'll come in for Danny Kerr, who's on the bench. Um, and then yeah, outside of that, pack remains the same. Outside of Tom Curry being out with a concussion, Sam they lose nothing with Sam Underhill coming in. He's a gun as well. And then yeah, it's six two bench. So it kind of indicates they're going to try and just try and power us for 80 minutes and just run over the top of us. So it's going to be an interesting battle. Um, Marcus Smith and Owen Farrell are the 10-12 pairing again. I didn't think Marcus Smith played well at all. Um, What are your thoughts on this, Nathan? I think they they got him to play like... It looked like they got him to play like Noah. Like they... They try to get him being this, being this, you know, a playmaker that's just passing out the back, and you're asking him to kind of make the right calls and 
you know, relying on, instead of just saying, hey, mate, you've got a wicked step and explosive speed, take the line on and create magic from them. So I think they've got to, they've got to go back to just to letting the kid do what he does best. And then Owen Farrell can, you know, instruct the traffic and do what he did. I think when he put Curry through a hole in that, I think it was like 15 minutes when you know, Curry, Curry went through the hole off a flat ball and Marika made that incredible tackle stop him. Like they, they need to be creating more of that if they want to really make this partnership work. Otherwise you're just wasting both Smith and Farrell. Mm. So, Nick, I don't know how you feel, but I think it's quite easy to put Curry through a hole um, quite quickly and quite fast. Um, so... <laughs> Get out of here. You're, you're done. We're cutting you off. <laughs> no, 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 no. I just started. Um, uh, so, based on what Nathan said and then, and then the Wallaby squad, um, what are your thoughts, your initial takeouts? I do agree that that uh, the 10-12 combination of Smith and Farrell underperformed uh, for England. Maybe it was also because I think, like, it was a combination of I think that a few of the a lot of the Wallabies did a bit of homework on Smith, um, because there were just even instances where he was like he, he wasn't able to to have that structure that he necessarily got to that he necessarily got to play with in in the Six Nations or at you know in provincial club level in England. Um, because there was, you know, a good a good pressure from the defence-wise. But especially in that second half, there were so many instances where there was an opportunity for him, you know, to do his, you know, his trademark goose step and produce a little bit of magic. But um, just the coverage of him on him was really solid. Um, I think, you know, whether that comes down to, you know, the, the, an issue or combo, or combo issue between him and Farrell, I don't know. But, you know, I, considering the strength of both of those players, I mean, if they're going to be off song, they won't be off song for long. Um, and you would expect uh, that that clash of the of the ten twelve uh, to be particularly interesting. But you know, again, Noah really showed up um, as well, uh, which was a big surprise. If it was, I'm, I'm yeah, it's the ten twelve and and the front row is where this game I think will be won and won and lost for me. Um, I think the in terms of the packs, there is a particularly in the. The you know the the second row in the loose forwards it, it, it's nearly completely imp- impossible to split them. Um, Atoji, one of the best players in the world. Johnny Hill, he's a grub, but he knows how to press buttons. Um, and coming up against Neville, who was just an absolute workhorse, he was just everywhere. Um, similar with Philip when he came on. Um, and then you know the the clash of the loose forwards between both sides was is just it's champagne sort of stuff. It's uh, it's proper champagne stuff because all of them are all class players, um, all six of them. But looking at the front row, Bell is in fantastic form. Tupo is ridiculous, um, and Parecki uh, is you know even though he's only one test in, he's shown that he's such a dangerous player. And you're coming up against the likes of you know Jamie George, Will Stewart, uh, and Genj, who's just they are really solid players. But I think they were shown up a little bit. Uh, on the weekend, um, especially after the Wallabies kind of really clicked up, clicked up a gear in the in the next in the second in in the kind of the second half of the first half. So yeah, the front row and the ten twelve combo is basically whoever is on form wins the game. All right, sounds hot. I'm looking forward to it. Um, no doubt I'll be a couple of beers in one watching it, so I feel glorious. Um, let's move on now. Uh, 
moving away from uh, the England game, uh, there's been some uh, very spicy stuff coming out of Queensland. So if you uh, are not up to speed um, on a, an arrival rugby podcast, uh, Alex Murphy of the Melbourne Rebels said something along the lines of uh, Hamish Stewart, who's currently at the Reds, will be his roommate next year. Uh, in other words, uh, Hamish Stewart is moving down to Melbourne. Uh, Queensland put out a statement uh, to, earlier today saying, hey, we all know Hamish Stewart is uh, contracted to the Reds for another season until 2023. And uh, we're aware of clubs trying to tap him up. Um, and we've asked Rugby Australia to look into it. Um, I guess this goes out to both of you, whoever wants to answer first. Um, uh, when you've got this and then you've also got that chatter about Tupo leaving and the chatter about Brad Thorne being difficult to work with, and et cetera, and so on. Um, the saying is when there's smoke, there's fire. So what is going on in Queensland at the moment with the Reds? Your guess is as good as mine. Um, this is really surprising uh, just to see this. Like, there's whenever you hear anything, of course, the, the immediate thing that we always do is just go onto Twitter and see what all the shit, all the stuff that's kind of, you know, circulating around. And I'm surprised to hear, I mean, it sounds to me like there's been a, you know, someone's jumped the gun on some sort of discussion um, and has kind of blind, blindsided the Reds, the Reds management um, in this one. And by the sounds of it, they sound pissed. And frankly, justifiably so. If there's, you know, talk of a, of one of their most significant players suddenly leaving and heading down south, um, so it's 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 an interesting one to to look at. And I reckon uh, there'll be definitely a lot of serious conversations happening between the Reds and uh, the player and Hamish Stewart's player management, um, and uh, in the coming days, uh, in terms of what's being said and who is saying what. Um, and what contracts are being uh, potentially, uh, you know, thrown into chaos here? It is also interesting to mention as well. Michael Todd's actually leaving as well. Uh, he's, he's heading. Off to... Who's Michael Todd? So he's one of the. He's the uh, forwards. He's he's the the, the Reds' defence coach. Um, he's actually just been announced that he's departing for Scotland. He's heading off to uh, to Scotland uh, to coach up there. So there is. It's, by the sounds of things, there are a lot of changes happening in in Queensland right now. Um, obviously, you can't. You don't know. You don't know what's being said until here, there, and everywhere. Um, but I think, considering the amount of depth and the quality of the team here, I don't think there's necessarily anything to be worried about right now. Um, unless Nathan, you disagree because you're you're more in, in in on this than than, than we are. Yeah, Nathan. Yeah. Uh, I've, I mean, I've got, got no no extra information about this, but although it's fascinating, this comes out the same day as you know when you have. The comments from Tupa about how he's how he was feeling about the game, sort of physically and mentally. Um, yeah, it's a it's a weird one, and you know it wouldn't be an off season without Pig Athletic Club pissing off the QIU. So that's 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 just that's their, that's their typical. You know, that was on everyone's bingo cards happening. But again, it's I don't know. It might just sort of say something about just how they've just got to rethink how the how the how the Reds operate because I mean. I've I've always had this kind of theory that they've just just a tad overworked the Reds. Like they're a, they're a side that you know for two years in a row have looked really good for the first ten weeks, and I've always kind of talked up how you know we've we've worked harder than ever this year in preseason. 
we've, you know, we're hitting new levels. We're finding new intensity and we just want to get better. And it's like, that's all well and good. And it looks like you, you like, they look like they did. But when you just look a bit tired in the, in the last sort of five or six weeks, you kind of wonder, is that, is it all kind of going down the right path? Is this those kind of right approach? And then when you see, you know, players like Stewart, who's who's that defensive leader, the rumors rumors come out that he wants to leave. You know, Murphy departs. Um, Angus Scott Young goes on. Yeah, uh, LSL as well goes. LSL can't even get on a bench, let alone yeah, yeah. into a starting squad. You start kind of wondering is. You know, the, the tin file comes out. You start thinking, is there something really wrong with what's going up there? And realistically, like, there's, they're still on a dominant team at the, at, when they're at their full strength. And a lot of their sort of late-season collapse this year can probably be put down to the fact there was no Tupo and O'Connor. And there was a couple of, you know, Paisami was in and out of the squad. But it's just kind of, it feels like one really to keep an eye on and just see how this all develops because it just... It does. There's there's just way too much smoke. It's far too much smoke for my liking for this just to be a. Uh, oh yeah. well, you know, we can we can sort everything out and just everything. It was all just a big misunderstanding. Yeah, there's a lot of that, and especially that Brad Thorne stuff that came out earlier this year about. I, I I can't really remember, but it was like it was difficult to work with or stuff about him not becoming the Wallabies coach, and it seemed a bit political. But it's yeah, it's like he. I don't know if you guys know that guy, Jocko Willink. Uh, Jocko Willink is this former SEALs guy, and he has a book called, um, you know, it's like Discipline Equals Freedom, and it's called like, uh, I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about, but uh, it's like 100% discipline. You've got to own everything you do, and you've got to be 100% about it. And Jocko Willink is this bald dude. He's not a good-looking dude. He looks like a bit like a like a, like a frog, but he's built, oh, he, and he, he gets He up. looks like a frog. It looks oh, like look a him, front look rower. At him, look at him. Like, no, a frog. A frog. Look, he just looks oh, like this like... weird looking dude. And uh, <laughs> he looks like the he looks like the type of guy that could beat me up just by staring. Yeah, at yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. He killed me five times before I hit like before I hit the ground. Um and like just saying his, his name three times. Is, all his Instagram is is him taking photos of the time he gets up and it's like four thirty, four fifteen. because uh, he's like, You gotta get up before the enemy. And it's just really intense. And Brad Thorne gives me those feelings. He's just super intense, but not. It's good for you, but it's maybe not good in a leadership role to be that intense and be that extreme. And probably what you're saying before, Nathan, about they play really well at the start of the season. Yeah, because they're super fit, but they kind of are drained by the end of it. Because um, Brad Thorne's like that. Um, and apparently, like you would know as well, Nathan, he doesn't really like talking to the media and then when he does he doesn't say much. Yeah, I wouldn't go I wouldn't go that far. Like he's generally he generally pretty like he, like he, as as every coach, like he's he's up for media most times and you know, sometimes can be a bit reserved but sometimes can can open up and give quite quite revealing answers. But but that's like every coach. But it it's just one of those things. It just depends what's kind of in the news cycle at that stage and what do you what do you like any coach, what are you willing to open up about, and what are you willing to keep just just keep keeping your cards to your chest? In most instances, I wouldn't say pre- you know that chat means much anyway. It's all coach speak because the you know they're all trained you know in terms of media discussion and media chat to you know they're all they're they're all making saying saying stuff but uh, trying not to give things away. That's just that's just comes with the turf. Um, Jesus. 
<laughs> Sorry, this this guy has is posting a lot of clocks. I've just found his Instagram. Like it is, <laughs> it is consistently yeah. just just yeah. four thirty three. He gets up. Yeah, every and then the time. other posts that are, are like the sweat on his gym mat about how Who? hard his workout was. Who oh is my this? god! I'm gonna, I'm gonna Google this as well. Drop a wheeling. So at my at my old work, uh, they tried to get him in to do a motivational speech to the sales guys. <laughs> Because <laughs> being in a sales a CEO team is like being in sales, um, and they got one of his mates to come in and talk about it. Not Chucker Willing, but one of the guys in the same CEO team. Um, <laughs> so it was a bit silly, right? Like, Jesus, because all they were selling was HR solutions. But yeah, dude, you need to calm the fuck down. It's <laughs> so intense. Jesus, like yeah. he looks. He looks just. Everything is just pissed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Furious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, I've anyway, never seen. Anyway. I've never seen so many Instagram feed posts of a clock. Of a watch. <laughs> and he like, loves full stops as well, so you know he means business. Yeah. Yeah. Do it. Do it now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> snap back. <laughs> back with a grind. Let's go. Let's go. Um, but yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, make a good rugby player. Anyway, so um, <laughs> moving on, moving on. Um, I was just sorry. Nick's e-bullying me at the moment. Yeah, got it. You got to e-bully at the same time. Look, we got it. We got a message um, from Bastard Sheep uh, on on Twitter asking about the wine. So, and in answer to your question, mate, the uh, the Semignon, which I've now just polished off, um, is has really hit the spot. Surprised. Uh, surprised it's. Uh, <laughs> I usually I go for white over. I'm going for white over red. Um, yeah. But meanwhile, yeah. Hartman's on the Malbec and needs to get off it. Valid. Um, <laughs> um, so moving on. Um, games this weekend. Uh, so let's start with Junior Wallabies. They've played two games so far. They lost pretty disappointingly to the uh, uh, to the Pumitas, the Argentina Argentina Juniors, uh, and they. But then they came back and thumped the Fijians. Um, so setting it up with New Zealand at the end, who've won both games. Um, uh, Nathan, Nick, I don't know, a quick word on Junior Wallabies? They look good against Fiji. I mean, sons of sons of Wallabies really should have stood up in Jack Bowen and, um, oh, I forgot his name, Teddy Wilson, that's who, that's who I'm thinking of. Both of those guys were, along with Ben Dowling, who's in, in that seven squad. All three were just terrorised Fiji. Um, but if this is another, just three steps up New Zealand and like they look, they comfortably beat Argentina who we you know, look good against, but just ultimately not good enough. So I reckon this is probably going to be a, probably going to be a New Zealand side that's just, just going to be too good. Yeah. I, I like the idea you just said that the sons of former Wallabies, they should have that like <laughs> first born sons of, <laughs> Young Wallabies and all all backs and see who wins. Um, <laughs> I ba- I back the Wallabies. You can chuck. I think Angus Scott Young. You can chuck in there. Yeah. Um, Angus Bell is a son of a former Wallaby. Yeah, yeah, A one yeah. test Wallaby, but that still counts. Yeah. You should throw it out to the um, Twitter sphere. How many? How many there are sons of former Wallabies? Well, maybe in versus... about twenty five years when it's the sons of the Barretts in New Zealand, and there's yeah. probably like nine of them. <laughs> Oh jeez! <laughs> like basically the entire team, yeah. the entire backline yeah. is uh, is is uh, Barrett's, yeah. and then in, over I, here in Australia we'll have the sons of the sons of the former Wallabies. <laughs> yeah. That's when I retire. <laughs> if, I, if I have to watch like four generations of Barrett's carve us up, I'm just, nah, 
<laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> I think it, I think this match will be closer than uh, than you're giving it credit, Nathan. I mean, New Zealand, I think, are without a doubt, favourites for this, and and quite deservedly so. But I think there was a, I think a big key reason why we we lost to to you know the you know the young Argies is probably because we just fell into their game plan and they just love to scrum and love to scrum and love to scrum and they just were clearly finding, you know, uh, clearly finding a. Uh, strength in uh, in in demolishing us in you know finding strength and and you know, superiority in the scrum. I think that the Fiji game saw uh, this side much more aligned and and able to play to a style that is more fluid to them. Um, and I think they'll take a lot of positives going into this New Zealand game. So I think it will it'll be closer than than uh, than Nathan thinks. But I still would be picking New Zealand for this one. No doubt. Um, absolutely. So anyway, moving on. Uh, Australia A are playing Fiji, I think, on Sunday. Um, let me just check that. Um, Nick, I guess you spoke last Saturday. week. Saturday, yeah. yeah. Saturday? Saturday, yeah. yeah. All right. Um, Nick, the <laughs> team, uh, which hasn't been announced, definitely not. Um, what do you reckon, Nick? Uh, uh, yeah, I was surprised. Last game and this game. Yeah, yeah, I was surprised that the the squad hasn't been announced. Um, Nathan, what's uh, what's going on here, man? Come on, we 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 record later so we can talk squads. Where's the squad, man? I'm Devo. <laughs> the marketing pigeon got lost. I can't help they got hit. You know, record- you can feed it all the feed it all the bread and whatever else pigeons eat. Like you know, you still can't get it to deliver correctly. It's, you know, <laughs> we gotta go back to the drawing board there. Yeah, we record later in the week to talk about the squads. Where's give me a squad? But no, seriously. Um, this is going to be an interesting match. I think that I was quite surprised by uh, by the performance against Samoa. I think it was first of all a good indication of how strong that Samoan team was. Um, really, they put in a really great performance. You had a lot of those boys who had played in uh, in Super Rugby Pacific really stand up. Um, and but I and I was thinking that uh, that. Even though I think, you know, I, I thought that the cohesion of the Wallabies of Australia A um, would would kind of see them through. Um, even there were some areas and in critical critical positions where it was clear that there there still had to be a little bit of work to do on that. I think they'll be much better for it this weekend. This Fiji side is stacked. <laughs> this side is stacked, though. It's you know you can see the experience of all of them playing together. Um, in terms of you know, for the Dru- uh, um, under the Drua uh, in Super Rugby Pacific, so I'm thinking at the moment Fiji are probably the side to beat um, right now. Uh, but considering considering where you know where in in terms of the two matches we saw last week uh, in this cup, I actually wouldn't be surprised to see you know the, the Wallabies at least really make a game of it against um, against Tonga um, and it's potentially. Really it's not the Wallabies. Australia, right? God. The Wallaroos. So what no, do we what no, do we call what do we call them instead? Know. Is it Wallaby Wallaby A's? What's like a, or the the Joeys? Or Australia A. Australia. Let's call it Australia A. Just a, so I, need, I need like an abbreviated the name. Commodores. <laughs> the Commodores. Yeah. <laughs> just just call them A. The only A. a. Yeah, we go. Call a. them A. It's the only a. way to drive. Um. But yeah, I, I do actually think that we might be seeing a clash of first and second here um, in terms of this this competition because I do think, from what I have seen, um, considering the performance of of the of the teams here, even though I think you know Samoa is strong, I'm anticipating the that A will turn up a bit more here, and they're definitely looking a lot stronger than the Tongan side based on the first round. 
Yeah, agree with that. Um, I, I don't know. For me, this Australia Ray, it's it's very much a win-win, regardless of the result. Like if you if you manage to come away with, with a victory on the score lines, like you can go out and say how good's our depth. You know, our A teams are betting these guys. But if you you know you get beat by Snowy, you go well. These guys have been together for like a week. What do you expect? Like they they have no there was no continuity or connections. Like. I worry we're selling them short. <laughs> I worry like we'd be selling the uh, the Pacific Nation short on that one a little bit though, because oh no, that's that's the Wallaby fan of me talking. Like it's <laughs> you you can't deny how how improved these guys are just from getting regular Super Rugby experience throughout you know through Moana Pacifica and Fiji and you know more opportunities for Pacifica players. So like it's they've they've improved leaps and bounds, but it's just purely from a that's from a Wildies perspective, but yeah, from yeah, a Australian rugby perspective. It's very much but, the, the thrown together kind of vibe. And I but I just think it, it's not about winning. It's just about those guys who potentially may be the next line in Wallabies to just hmm. get those combinations down pat. Um that experience. And, and that experience. Because otherwise they'd just be playing subbies or you know, guys guys like yeah. Will Harris, um, getting testing someone like a Tane Edmund. Um, Fraser McCrate, as the Kiwis want to call him. Um, like, <laughs> far out. Did you see the like, report card put up a little gif of like McCrate? They just put McCrate yeah. up and they had that gif of a guy climbing up a little pyramid of crates and falling down. Um, <laughs> I just thought it was perfect. Yeah, McCrate. <laughs> but I, I think, I think, you know, I, I generally reckon Australia Road is going to shock Fiji. Like, I think we're used, we're really. We got used. You, I think we're used to the draw style now, having gone, you know, home and away against them in Super Rugby. And like, yes, it's a really strong side, but I think you just you start to click more. You you, you know build a bit more combinations, um, and you. It, I think that this is a game where we just come out and just all of a sudden they come out and shut Fiji down because they know how to largely do it in the draw. Ah, but drew a plus the boys from Europe. That's my question. There is a lot of depth in that Fiji side. I mean, like, it'd be great. There's not many. There's not many European-based players in the squad, is there? Is not Dolo playing? No, I don't think so. No. Do they, have, have they, they've announced their squad now at the moment. They've announced the squad. It's very good with, you know, Matt Elliott at fullback and Humbosi on the wing. Like, you yeah. Um, Joshua Tosova on the, on the wing as well, and on the other wing, who's an absolute beast as well. But I, I think a lot of them, yeah, a, a large amount of these players did feature for the draw. Like, there's a couple of international players that have come back, but it's just a case of, I don't know, I, I think we just, they're going to come out with a point to prove Australia, right? They're more used to the Fijian style rugby, so I think it's just going to be, I think it's going to be a great clash, and I think it's going to be close, but I, I just reckon Australia has got, got enough on them. Yeah, yeah. So, so we've got to move on. We've got to move on. Um, uh, do you want to talk about Japan and France? Or no, France win that one. Let's let's throw it. Let's jump to let's jump to some some predictions, and we can throw in some hot takes. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. Hot, hot, hot. Okay. So, um, Japan and France. I know. We can move on that one. The Japan and um, France fr- is. France. Yeah, it's about uh, ninety minutes before the New Zealand game. Yeah, sorry, Nick. Japan and France. <laughs> I'm saying, uh, I'm, yeah, I think France are looking really good at the moment, and uh, I was I was a bit surprised how how close it was for much of the game, but when they kicked on, they kicked on. So I'm saying France. Yeah, um, I think they win the World Cup. Um, 
New Zealand Island. Uh, so I felt watching this game because I watched a bit of it that it was kind of like, you know, when you watch the Wallabies at their worst, like you play a great start and it's like, you know, 6 3 at 30 minutes and then it blows out to about 27 or 6 mm. in 20 minutes' time. Uh, how, how do you boys feel about it and how do you feel about this game? 100%. I was literally in the, in, in up to status watching this with a couple of, with like the English, English journals. And it's just like, yep, we, we, we've all seen this before. Just, yeah, Ireland played well for 70 minutes. They were off for 10 minutes. And that's all the All Blacks needed. And you know what? I reckon it's going to be anything any different this week. Like the, the All Blacks are just, just put it together. When they're at, particularly when they're at home. And it's just, they're just going to be too good, I reckon, for Ireland. See, I don't know. So, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna play devil's advocate for this one. Um, because I, I watched a I watched a YouTube video. There's my start. Good start. Promising start what, in terms was of was it by Squidge? Yes or no? It was. It was definitely by Squidge. Did you you know the one I'm talking about? He dropped it. I know. He dropped it, and it was interesting to see in terms of like because because afterwards I was so interested by what he had to say. I went back and rewatched. You know, kind of the the mini match. Of uh, of this game, and it was interesting because if if you haven't seen this video, go check it out. Squidge is doing some you know some videos on the uh, reviewing the matches, uh, the you know all of the July matches um, at the moment, and he basically talked about how the big reason why New Zealand seems to be struggle uh, seem to have been struggling in the last couple you know in the last year or so is the fact that their attack has become much easier to read for defences. Defences have really kind of uh, adapted to the to the All Blacks game plan, which is why you've seen you know surprise losses against uh, you know those losses against France and, and Ireland and and a couple of those back-to-back games interestingly here the the big change up that uh, that squidge noticed was that that you know usually with your with your attacking with your attack they basically play off the nine or the ten um and it was all apparently all on Aaron Smith which created this real sense of unpredictable unpredictability for for Ireland's defense um but at the end of the video um Squidge basically asked, Ireland will probably be better off for, for seeing this, which means they'll likely show up next weekend um, if if the All Blacks suddenly come up with a... If, if all, the All Blacks go into the game with the same tactics and basically have Smith be the main driver of all the attack around the entire field. So if that's the case, Ireland means that they have to really make their work on that. And the question is, well, how will New Zealand respond? Will we see a situation where in the second game... Which I think was the case in, in during an England tour a few years back, where in that second match, uh, England really tested the All Blacks, and only but only just lost in the closing stages, and then in the final match of the series, just New Zealand ran over them again. Um, part of me is I'm curious to see what's going to happen in Dunedin. I really am. I still I would still be picking New Zealand as the favourites, but I'm anticipating a much closer match because. New Zealand, um, Ireland will probably have been have, have had the shape have been shaken off and, and noted the the tactics that the All Blacks were, were making when they were on the attack, and if they can shut down Cruden, so it's not Cruden. If they can shut down Smith, <laughs> rather, yeah, get Cruden yeah, away from it. <laughs> get Cruden Aaron away Cruden, from it. The the and... <laughs> you now remember Aaron Cruden. He's probably about thirty four or something. Yeah, no, sorry, I just had a moment <laughs> there. That's the uh, that's the Semenyon talking. <laughs> Aaron Cruden and Aaron Smith. Stop e bullying me, Hartman. Uh, no, uh, but yeah, me, if, if uh, they can shut down Smith, if they can shut down <laughs> Smith, I reckon we're gonna have a much closer game. When you said the unpredictably 
unpredictability of Aaron Smith? Is it like you, you're talking about his pay or his spelling? <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what Aaron's going to come out? Is it Smith? Is it... Is, you know, is it Cruden? Is it is, is it Aaron Donald? Like, is it after David Smith? Mate, mate, you don't know. That's what makes it so unpredictable. <laughs> <laughs> that one's gonna that one's gonna follow me around on Twitter. I can feel it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, nah. I think interesting, Nick, but you're wrong. Um, they're gonna <laughs> lose. Uh, so, for some reason, an hour and fifty minutes after the two hours and fifty minutes after New Zealand Island kicks off, Australia play England. Nathan, why uh, is it such a huge gap? Do you know? A game I mean, goes I'm, for, uh, what, 100 minutes? Including I, mean, I don't, I don't think they're, t- they're not related. Like, I, I don't think, you know, Kiwi's love. I think it's just more the fact that Kiwi's love of um, a 7.05 start when we, we just like a, a 7.45 or 7.55 start. Like, that's, that's really it. Like, it's nothing, nothing too deep about it. But. Okay, well, that's been settled, um, but we won't produce <laughs> that game just yet because after at 1.05, which is also five past an hour start, Nathan, I don't know, South, South Africa like that. Why do they like that? Um, South Africa's playing Wales. Uh, so obviously I don't think any of us watch this game. Maybe Nathan, you might have. Um, I was well asleep, to be honest. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know, did you have to watch it for work? But anyway... Um, I mean, yes, I definitely watched the. Apparently, this it. was like the game of the round last week. Uh, South Africa won it in the eighty-third minute from a penalty kick. Um, I don't know. What do we think about this game? Should I'm I'm not, I'm I'm probably not going to watch it, but <laughs> you can watch. <laughs> if the I was replay. awake, that's should the, I? Nick? That's the point of the mini matches on stand, man. Oh, that's the point. Yeah, it that's was. True. Look, the game really was the, this. The first match was really surprising. I was quite, uh, you know, Wales really showed up. They really yeah. showed up and were really up for this one. And I was, but I think as well, they that, kind of like, what's going on? Do you do you know? Is South Africa playing like crap again? Like, I would say that I thought South Africa were a bit off the pace. Um, I was a bit surprised. It it looked like it took them a bit, a little while to get going. Um, and you know, I think there were some. There were some interesting, you know, that second half, I think people have been talking about nonstop for, for ages. Wales were the better team, I think. Wales were the better team and they should have won it, in all honesty. Um, South Africa were able to sneak home and, and find that way to win. Hmm? Is this based off a mini-match? Well, this is, well, no. <laughs> look, it was based yeah. off the mini-match plus looking at, based off the mini-match plus looking at all the, at all the yeah, stats. Yeah. And all the stats and everything as well. So, you know, it, it just there was a clear sense of intent and strategy in behind what Wales were trying to do there, and for about sixty minutes it worked, um, and they should have been able to close the game out. Um, but you know, South Africa they, they were able to come back and claw their way back into the game and, and grab the win. Um, but I'm curious for how the, they'll probably be looking that at that game as a real get out of jail card, uh, and probably will look at, look for this one and go, okay. They actually, uh, they're here to play. Let's um, let's try and bash the crap out of them up front. Yeah. Uh, I think I'd definitely get this on the mini-match. Nathan, do you have any mail on this uh, game? Uh, it looks like South, South Africa have basically made so many changes to their team. I think someone described it as it's the closest thing that they'll have to a Twitter 15 in the sense that there's so many players that are just really exciting players that they've picked. Uh, one one to keep, keep an eye out is that the number eight, Evan Roos. Evan Roos, I don't know how to pronounce it, but he's at the Stormers number eight. 
Um, basically, their answer, Rob Valentini. He is look up look up his highlights. He's he's an incredible player, and it's going to be going to be one that's just going to terrorize people for years to come. So, I, I he's I reckon he's going to be an absolute beast against Wales, and South Africa is just going to be too good. Yeah, uh, hot. Um, so the game after that is oh oh yes, Argentina and Scotland. Um, so apparently that was another tight game that, uh, Scotland were up at halftime and Argentina came back. So it was like, I think Scotland were up 18 to six and Argentina ended up winning 33 to 25 or something like that. Um, Where are you getting your numbers from? It was 26, 18. <laughs> I got 18, right? I got 18, right? You got the 18. Uh, <laughs> but it was, it was a vibe of the placing. Um, <laughs> all right, fine. Go on, go on. Uh, we're not. A, we're not a math a. pod. We've said this before. We're not yeah, a math. we are. We are, We don't know. We yeah. We don't know how to do the math. It's true. Um, five a.m. Um, Nick, it's not quite morning viewing, but uh, do you know anything about what's going on? Argentina, Scotland. Yeah, look, Argentina looked. They looked a much more rejuvenated side. I think it's probably due to the fact that they were just finally being able to play at bloody home. Yeah. Um, yeah, which would have made true. all the difference. It was a good crowd, um, wonderful afternoon, wonderful weather um, in Argentina, um, and yeah, it was a it was a fantastic match. And I think also um, it, it was a, I think it was a really solid start for Checker as coach because he did have to have to, do, to contend with a couple of changes. He lost Cabelli um, just ahead of the game, um, and uh, and uh, due to you know due to injury, and and he was replaced by Gonzalo Betrano, who actually played really really well. Um, as a result of that, in the in the uh, in the scrum half position, it was a it was a really solid performance. First win for Argentina over Scotland since 2011, um, which is and their first win at home over Scotland since 2008, which That's I just find insane. yeah I find that just so fascinating, yeah. so interesting. But look, Scott, it it did make the question you know this this I think this Argentinian side look you know already are looking really rejuvenated um, and really positive. Scotland I think didn't play their best game. They have kind of been a little a little hot and cold since their win over England at the start of the Six Nations. Uh, they've kind of been, you know, falling short against the form that they've, you know, that we've come to, you know, predict and expect from them under um, under Gregor Townsend. Um, and yeah, it's I anticipate they'll come back stronger this weekend in Salta, um, but I still would be picking Argentina for this one just because the motivation is there for them to really put in a good performance at home. It's likely going to be another sellout crowd um, there as well. Um, and, you know, with the, with, the, with the form they had, they looked solid. I reckon it'll be a win for the Pumas. Yes, uh, good shout. Nathan, any mail on this? Um, I think Nick covered it all, you know. Okay. First, we're always always interested to in see how the latest sort of check ball goes. Um, yeah, but yeah. How long I, does that first initial hit last? <laughs> <laughs> That's realistically the question. I, th- I think you've still got a couple more tests in it before, aka right before the Wallabies come over. So, I reckon <laughs> yeah. Um, so, game after that, eight a.m. I don't know if this is on sand. No, it's not. A Chile USA. So, look, if this was a playing it. Better time, like 10 maybe. I'd definitely watch this game. If you're up at 8, try to find it. I think it'll be great because this is a World Cup qualifier. Whoever wins this will go to... Uh, whoever, well, it's two legs, but whoever wins over two legs will go to the World Cup. 
and uh, Chile knocked out Canada. So um, I think this is great and it's amazing and it would just be great to have another team in the World Cup if Chile wins. Um, so you're in a great, you're basically back in Chile. <laughs> you're back, you're I would like to see him. I'd like to see them. In, yeah, for sure. And I think that's what, uh, I think it's what rugby needs um, is people who want to be there because a lot of the nations like Australia and England and Wales and New Zealand, whatever you get there and you don't have to qualify, which makes sense because if they did have to qualify, it would be blowout scores. But I think it's just good to have that energy and that new blood coming up and coming through. It's a good start, um, Hardman. It's a good start to have people who want to be there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Again, and, and the, one of the best moments from the last World Cup was when Uruguay beat Fiji. It's exactly, exactly. Yeah, so, and, and, and that's what you want. And you want these different cultures, like, and little different cultures, how to play the game, like literally other cultures, but also how to play the game. You want that in rugby because that just makes it so much better um, and deeper. I also think if, if isn't it that we we could be staring down the barrel of some of some history here um, in the event that Chile get in because if Chile get in, um, don't does don't they go into the same pool as um, as as Uruguay or one of the one of the like like you'll have a situation where it'll be probably one of the first ever derby derbies between two South American countries. It's like, Argent- Argentina, Argentina, I believe. So yeah. winner winner of this qualifies as America's two, which is in Pool D, which is the Argentina, Samoa, Japan, England group. So that's that'll be that'll be a great game if that if yeah. Argentina, Chile. I think that would be yeah. Yeah, it would be an Argent. It would be the first yeah. time ever that there would be a, a an all South American clash in in World Cup history, if if Chile get in. And I know that our our, our friend across the uh, across in uh, in Brazil, Mr. Paul in Mr. Paul Tate will be uh, will, will be just all over it. Yeah, Chile, yeah, absolutely. Chile are, are like low key like emerging emerging team. They could give USA some troubles. So it's yeah. still, like. USA should still get the job done, but I mean, I think the loser of, loser of this goes to the final qualifying tournament, and I seriously reckon, you know, whoever whoever loses out of these two teams, I would probably put as one of the key favourites to that tournament. I think outside of outside of maybe yeah, or no, it's just saying Tonga is probably going to qualify. No, they're probably favourites, but again, between between Tonga and other USA or Chile, is probably going to be your final. That mm. that final qualifier, so it's really interesting game on Sunday. Yeah, so the World Cup's currently twenty teams. It should definitely expand to twenty four, um, and I think because if you have those other teams that you don't see all the time, you add that magic, you add that flavour to it, and you do really begin to build something. And I think that's really what they really what rugby needs, um, especially as it kind of declines in traditional nations like Australia and New Zealand. Um, so, yeah. Um, and also, like, just to note as well, the final of the uh, African, so it's everyone but South Africa, um, rugby final was, I think, on this weekend or next weekend, um, and it'll be between Kenya and Namibia. Sweet. See who qualifies. That looks like a, yeah, that looks like an interesting one. I think probably you'd have Namibia as the as the favourites for that one. Yeah, because they keep qualifying. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh, my, my one question though, as well, isn't there also a? Sorry, sorry, Nathan. I was just going to say, like, can you 
Kenya have that. I don't know. I think Kenya are just sneakily good this year, this time around. <laughs> I, reckon, I think that's also that's also doubles as a qualifier as well for the for that final qualification tournament. So there's a yeah. lot on the line. Yeah, I think before we move over to the to talk about the Wallabies England game, should we? There's also the Georgia Italy game, isn't there? As well. Oh yeah, yeah. So Italy played Romania last week. So Italy, like lowest rank European team, I guess, or low, lowest rank Six Nations team. Um, and there's all been all this chat like, hey, should be, they be there because they lose all the time, apart from last year, but they lose all the time. Should Georgia or Romania, the next two teams, like at least be able to fight for that spot. So Italy's finally kind of doing this tour and testing their medal. They played Romania last week and smashed Romania. Beat the snot out of them. <laughs> yeah, and now they're in Georgia, going to play Georgia. Georgia last week lost to the Argentina A, pretty much, mm-hmm. um, by three points. So it'll be great to see. I love watching Georgia play. Um, it's kind of understated how big rugby is there in Georgia. Because um, literally, and I'm not joking, and I'm not trying to be controversial, but the biggest thing out of Georgia, apart from the rugby team, is Stalin. Um, so, <laughs> I no 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 watch no 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 watch watch bold and bankrupt videos in Georgia. They love Stalin just because he's from Georgia. Um, so you are. Right? That's just no comment for me there. That is. Yeah, that's a. That's a. That's. We'll let that one go through to the keeper. No, I mean, ask him. Ask him. Ask him. Like, like, I mean, terms of national pride. Uh, if, if any Georgians listen to the podcast, please, please respond to our Twitter and just confirm your love for Stalin. Well, <laughs> it's just in terms, not your love, but a lot of people. There's not much going on in Georgia. Um, great wine, though, Nick. Oh yeah, very good wine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd love to go to Georgia. It looks great. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, so they had, like, 50,000 people watch them play in Rugby World Cup. Not surprised. Like, um, do we yeah, think sorry. That, sorry. Do, do, we, do we think that they're going to win? Do, do they think that they've got it in them to beat this Italian side? That's my question. If they it's play really- smartly, yes. It's actually a really funny stat. Sorry, sorry, Nick. Really funny stat. Um, they've only had one back play in the top 14 in France, whereas they've had about 16 props play in the top 14 in France. <laughs> like, so... Um, it's definitely going to be a forward battle, and that's what you'd want to keep it to. Question is that... Uh, so we're, we're, gonna, we're not going to deny, then, that it's that Italy have probably got Georgia's measure in, uh, in the back line. It's basically the game is won and lost in, in the forward pack. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm picking Italy for this one. I'm pick, picking Italy as well, but how good would this game be if, if it was a legitimate like promotion relegation game for the Six Nations? Yeah, that would be nice. Absolutely, absolutely. And you host like, it in like Paris or London. Get mm-hmm. that ticket match and you'd sell it out. That would be so much more interest around the game, which it deserves. Like, both teams are ones that you know, find themselves playing against these big nations and we kind of forget comparatively how good they actually are. Like I think they're they're what they're ranked twelfth and thirteenth in the world. So like it's just like one one spot behind Fiji. Like so they're really good, but it's just you play against the top teams all the time. You're not not gonna showcase your talent. So really good game. Mm. 
Yeah, I'm so excited for this. Um, but it's yeah, two a.m. on um, on Monday, um, in official Super Rugby time, which is a decent standard time. Uh, but anyway, it's close to late time. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's not this time. That's right. That's right. Uh, <laughs> um, Nick, were you producing the podcast when that happened? Which to- Which one? The what? with the Eastern Elite. Oh, famous email or whatever it was. Oh, you mean that? Was this around the time the Force were getting? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I was, yeah. I was around. I was around. I've been so here for. How did that come through? Was it an email? It was an email. Uh, the the contents of the email we shall uh, we shall let bygones be bygones, considering it's <laughs> considering we we crossed that bridge now. But uh, yeah, we were told off. Hey, it was. Uh, we, we, we're not on the art. Were we not, really? Were we really told off? Well, I was like, were oh, they what's really told off? Oh, it was. <laughs> look, oh, it was. Oh. I'm just going to say that it was a very colourful email, and I'll leave it at that. Make of it. Is it, dude? Some personality. I say nothing. I'm saying nothing. Oh. <laughs> I'm being coy. I'm going to be coy about this one. I'm going to be yeah. a coy. <laughs> so, all right, Nathan, I'm going to go to you because you're not coy. Uh, Australia, England predictions. Oh, I think, um, look, I'm very much a gut feeling guy when it comes to this sort of stuff. And I, I walked into the first step feeling very confident. I'm not probably at that same level, but I'm still, I'm, I'm still confident we'll get the job done. I think a win like that with, with all the odds against you can really deflate an opponent. And, you know, you take it to Suncorp as well, where we're 10 in a row. I think we've got to add, combine that with a Tupo returning. I think we're probably, we might just have enough to claim this series and really head to Sydney trying to go for that whitewash. Nick? Yeah, look... Here's the, it's it's weirdly I'm in a weird headspace in this one in general because on the one hand, Suncorp, ten on ten in a row, a lot of good players coming back, a lot of really good players oh, coming oh, in. Ten in a row. Squad. We've we've pit, we've won the last ten on the trot in uh, in at, at Lang Park. Nathan, is that true? Last ten, yeah. Last ten, but the, the last ten beat us was England and Eddie Jones, who yes, also that's right. Eddie Jones has a incredible record at Suncorp by himself as well. Like yeah. he's, it's it's quite an interesting dynamic. Um, I would say I'll try and find it because it is in is it it is in the program for this week, the Wallabies program. Like how good his record is against. I would say at, at Suncorp Stadium, where it was as a Reds coach, as you know, a plethora of other jobs he's done. So it's it's a battle of which streak just continues. <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry, Nick. That's all right. It's yeah. I'm. I it's I, I it's hard to pick. It's hard to pick. Um, as mentioned, I think you know this game is won and lost in the front row and in the centres, um, and it's really dependent on who is is there first, uh, who who kind of who shows up first and who who plays the game better. Um, yeah, I think it's. I'm fucking stumped. It's a tough one. I'm just gonna go Wallabies purely because it's the, it's my team, um, but no slouch on uh, on the on the fact that England could potentially uh, pick up a big uh, a big win here. Um, uh, six for six, Eddie is at Suncorp as in, as a test coach. Wow, that's amazing. So would it? Oh, so most of those wins and losses are being an Australian coach, right? 
No, as in, no, as in, he's six fr- six from six, hundred percent. Oh, okay, okay. He's okay. not lost a game there. So, but that's five Australian wins and one England win. Correct. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Um, I will say one of those was against, I, I believe, Romania. So, like. <laughs> All right. So five from five. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe five from five. Um. Yeah. No, I. I think England, uh, my take on it is England, uh, they played really poorly and uh, they're just in that kind of pre-World Cup slump right now. Uh, and I think with Tongan Thor back, it will just be too much. Like, no way they're going to dominate the scrum with Tongan Thor there. Unless, um, they get un- unless they get into his head, it can be, yeah. a, it can be a bit unless of a... They grab his hair. Unless they grab his hair. Yeah. Shout out, by the way, just shout out to Tong and Thor for just his shenanigans on, on, on the socials uh, and all of the stuff that he's been getting up to. Oh, find, find the, tor- the tortilla slap is hilarious. Yeah, I was, that's find the one that- I was talking about this morning. The oh, one I was talking so about good. today, he got smacked with a tortilla slap. <laughs> I was like, of course, of, of course. Who, why would I expect nothing less from that beautiful man? <laughs> that's hot, that's hot. That's the kind of content I want. Chupo's tortilla slap. That's what we're here for. Yeah, cool, cool. But, but was it the Reds' official tortilla sponsor? That's the question. <laughs> uh, also, yeah, sorry, just a note as well. Just one thing to get behind in this test as well is the the whole with that being NADOC week in the first first national. Oh test. yeah, for sure. Yeah. And also seeing it in the Ugambi language. Um, yeah. Again, shout shout out Nelson Dow as well for. Coming, finding those lyrics, which again, I'll retweet on the, on the Drop Your Coffee account, but get behind it. It's if you, it's, it's going to be such a good experience. I, I think that's that's the language they want to sing it heading forward because it's. I don't believe it's the local Brisbane language, but I I think it's Lloyd Lloyd McDermott's language, which is the first uh, Indigenous Wildy. Yeah, so it's cool. a. I think that's the way of getting it like done. Can like potentially you can do it. You know, say you want to do it in. Perth next year or in Adelaide coming up like that's how you can do it well I think I, another thing too is that you got to kind of fit the language to the lyrics which might not work um and like yeah uh shout out to Nathan um because uh, the lyrics like uh, the the translated lyrics don't exactly fit like they haven't gone girt by sea and translated that for example for every line um that's but, still good yeah, yeah, it still kind of works, and you got to make sure it all fits. So, but yeah, for sure. Um, I thought it might have been the local language of Brisbane, or as, as we maybe should say, Mianjin. Um, but uh, nah, it's good. It's good, and it's nice to see that uh, Rugby Australia's taking a lead on it because yeah, I don't really think you know, especially in other sports, that the, the push is right there. But I think they're kind of foreseeing it, and it, and it's just good. And, and and really for those people that complain, like it, it doesn't mean anything. It's just good that they're doing it and just trying to be inclusive. To be honest, um, yeah, I, th- I think it's, it's great. It's it's nice recognition. It's recognition. It's trying to trying to take steps. And realistically, when, when we've had, you know, at, for the past couple of years, the only Wallabies that we've had that's First Nations currently, you know, Andy Muirhead's been close, but that's about it. You have Maurice Longbottom and a, and I think four in the Wallaroos side, but you're missing those Wallabies. And if you can kind of try and show to a, a next generation of people that, hey, not only will 
do we recognise that we celebrate First Nations culture? Maybe we can keep some of those players playing rugby union over other sports. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, not to start code wars or anything, but this is so refreshing compared to certain other code which uh, <laughs> really struggles to deal with it. Um, but yeah, no, it's great. Absolutely great. Um, Nick, any any final thoughts? Not really. I think uh, I think we've covered it pretty well in a near 100-minute episode uh, podcast, but good to show there's a lot of good discussion to be had. There's lots of things to, to discuss, and, and you know, it, we... We're staring down some some interesting times right now. If the, if the Wallabies can can pull off this win here, where and and grab a series win against one of the best teams in the world, uh, it really showcases us as the as a real dark horse for tw- for the uh, for the World Cup next year. Yeah, yeah, hundred um, minutes. You can listen to us while you're waiting for the New Zealand game to finish. Yeah, literally, just put the put the podcast on in between uh, at the pub. Do it at the pub. Do it at the pub. Do it wherever you are. Put it on the pub speakers. Put it on the pub speakers. I want let everyone know about it. Let us all know. We're definitely not a math podcast. Like who the hell is going to be doing maths in the pub? Let's be honest. Uh, Yeah, yeah. So thanks for joining. But let's finish off. Let's finish off with a bit of a diary from Nathan. Nathan. Work for rugby, uh, rugby Australia. You're going to be covering this game. What is and what does your Saturday look like to finish us off? The inside view of my Saturday. Um, yeah. What's your shift look like? What's my shift look like? Um, start start off with basically a lot of planning in the morning. Um, just planning articles out, planning my you know my my live blog, my a couple other things, and then it'll be Australia A focus from one o'clock, covering that game, getting that sorted, and then probably probably just you know a little walk down to Suncorp, nice nice little 20, 25 minute walk from the hotel, get set up, get get in position for the Kiwi games. Um, pray there's no late minute injuries like last time because that was an absolute nightmare trying to write an article in about five minutes, and then yeah, hopefully get a Wallabies win done, get to a press conferences. See, see how Eddie Jones reacts to a win or a loss, and then write stories from there. So I'm, you know, I'll probably be going from about ten a.m. to close to midnight. So it'll be, it'll be a long one, but, a, but it's, a, it's a good one. Like, can't, can't complain when you're covering rugby. So, do you guys get yeah. together and have a quick beer, or is that is it the school night for you guys? I don't, so you, uh... I don't know. You, you, find, you find a couple of people in a, a pub nearby or a room somewhere, and you just. You just debrief, so that's nice. But yeah, I'd love it's, to be a fly on the wall. Can I be your plus one one time? I just want to be there. I'll just I'll bring you in as a cameraman. How about that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Just keep just keep him away from the Puma Trophy. <laughs> oh God! <Keep> away. <laughs> oh, can I give you an update about that? About the Puma Trophy. <laughs> Sorry, Remember the update? polar bear. I was telling about the polar bear. Yeah. So it became this big family thing that. <laughs> Mum's got the polar bear. And I was like, fuck it, whatever. Like, it was mass produced at one stage. So on eBay, and I typed in this polar bear, like, it was last produced in 1935 or something. Shit. But I found one on eBay for 300 bucks. And there's something happens with, like, China or something, how you keep it. It it turns a bit yellow. So, anyway, I bought another one. So mum gave gave the polar bear away, the original one. 
and I bought another one for mum that was a bit yellow, and I bought it from some dude in Vancouver um, for 350 bucks or 400 bucks. So <laughs> now uh, uh, mum got this slightly yellow polar bear, and you know when ice is yellow what's happened to it. So it's not a oh, great no. look. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit done, but yeah, it was the same polar bear, just a bit yellow, and I think you just need to polish it a bit and it'll become white again. But yeah, um, this shit's hot, man. Three hundred, four hundred bucks for a polar bear. Cool story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I don't know how it relates to the puma. Uh, to the because to the puma talk, remember we talked about the puma and I told you about the polar bear. Oh, yeah, no, no, that's right, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why I like it so much. If we, that's if we, can, we like can barely remember it, no one else is going to remember this. Is this. Such a throw, this is such a throwback. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. such yeah, an inside yeah. joke. Uh, <laughs> uh, you can always cut it out, Nick. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> no, this is this is staying in. People, people <laughs> look, if, 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 they're that, if they're staying this long, if they, uh, we've hit the 100-minute mark. If they're staying this long, then clearly... Uh, Clearly, they're emotionally invested, so you give the, the you give the crowds what they want. But let's call it now because uh, I want to go to bed. Um, yeah, cool. Well, we probably finished when we usually finish anyway. It's five to ten. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah. Let's Good call chance. it. Uh, thanks everyone for listening in. Uh, let's go, the Wallabies. Have a good weekend, and let's go, Wallabies. What did go wrong? I have to look, look and think about it. Think about it deeply, very deeply. Did it hinge in the end on a bit of genius from Shirley Bombo? Bit of genius, bit of magic. Shirley Bombo, very interesting, very good. Yeah, very good. Three cheers for Shirley Bombo. Very good, very good. <laughs>